God, please just understand, I'm not coming to you out of frustration. It's just more out of confusion. I mean, I'm a sinner. I mean, I've done things that I know I'm not proud of. I mean, you've, you've seen me at my worst. Why would you want to use someone like me? Morning, Orchard. Wow, was that some awesome worship? Wow. wow, wow. Hey, take out your Bibles, your mobile devices this morning. Turn to Judges chapter 6, verse 11. It's on page 103. If you are using one of the Bibles, you may have picked up when you came in at the door this morning. I want to begin by welcoming our guests. If this is your first time at Orchard Church, we are thrilled to have you in our presence. We hope we can be as much a blessing to you as you've already blessed us by being here this morning. So church, can we welcome our guests? Help me out. Let's welcome all of our first-time guests. If you are a first-time guest, inside of your newsletter, you're going to find a little connection card. If you just do us a favor and fill that out, we want you to be more than just a face in the crowd this morning. Uh, fill it out, drop it in the offering bucket, we receive our gifts at the end of service. And all that's going to happen is we're going to just send you a thank you card in the mail and also a coupon for a free Chick-fil-A sandwich. Anybody like Chick-fil-A? Yes, just don't try to use it today. They're not open on Sundays, okay? But any other day of the week, you'll get that coupon and you can use it. And good to have our guests here uh, this morning. Today we are wrapping up our series. We've done a four-week series called Why. We're answering some of the most common questions that people ask about God and the Bible. Now, if everybody's wanting to know, okay, where are we going next? What's happening next? The way we predominantly study uh, the Word of God here at Orchard Church is we go to a book of the Bible, and we start at chapter 1, verse 1, and we work our way verse by verse all the way through. I think we've done that with about 15 different books of the Bible. So you guys excited about the next book of the Bible we're going to be studying? Are you ready for what it is? Book of Ephesians. We're going to be doing the book of Ephesians next month. So if you want, go ahead and read through those six chapters and get your bearings and context. We're excited about that. But today we'll wrap up our Why series where we've asked questions like, why don't I always feel God's presence? That was week one. Um, why doesn't God always answer my prayer? We asked the question last week, why do bad things happen to good people? If you missed any of those, go to our website, orchardchurch.tv, the message page, and you can watch it online there. Today we're closing out with this question, why would God use me? I mean, of all the people that God could use, why would God use me? If you've ever asked that question, be honest, raise your hand this morning. Ever asked that question? Okay, a lot of hands, a lot of hands. Well, here's what I want you to, to hear first of all. I, I really believe this is God's heart. I believe God created every one of you to do something significant for him. I believe we are made and created by God and he doesn't make junk. He doesn't make mistakes, and he wants to do something in you and through you for his honor and glory. He wants to use every one of you. But if, if you know this to be true. If God wants to use us, then Satan wants to abuse us. If God wants to use us for his glory, then Satan wants to derail that. He, he wants to do something to, to get us to feel insecure or make up excuses why God would never use us because that's what God wants to do. And so... We ask these questions, why would God use me? And the enemy attacks us, and we ask a lot of different questions with that, and we, we make excuses, and, and I hear things like this. Why would God use me? I mean, I don't know enough of the Bible. I haven't been to Bible college. I haven't been to seminary, so why, why would God use me? I don't know the Bible very well. Or why would God use me? I don't have any talent. I don't have any abilities. Man, I hear these people get up here and play these instruments and sing, and they play so great. And I mean, why would God use me? I, I have trouble playing my iPod. You know, getting that thing to sync up. So why would God use me? Or why would God use me? I still sometimes lose my temper. 
Or, or I occasionally have doubts myself about God and the Bible. Or, you know, I'm not a spiritual giant. I, I see some people, they seem like the spiritual giant. And they, they know how to pray and they know how to share their faith. And ah, I'm not there, so why would God use me? And here's the, one of the most common ones. Why would God use me when I have messed up so many times in my past? Or maybe you even feel like you're messing up now. Why would God use me with some of the failures and things in my past? Well, if you've ever felt that way and had some of those insecurities, I got some news for you. You're just like a lot of people in the Bible that God did choose to use. And I want to introduce you this morning to start this message to a man named Gideon. Everybody say Gideon. Gideon. Now, Gideon was a man that was living in a time when the children of Israel, they had come out of Egypt and out of their bondage. And they were now in the promised land. They were trying to enjoy life in the promised land and, and be fruitful and multiply and enjoy the relationship with God. But they had kind of gotten away from God and been a little bit disobedient. So God chose to punish them through several different enemies. And one of the enemies of Israel was a group of people called the Midianites. And the Midianites had come in and every time Israel would plant their crops... The Midianites would come in and they would either destroy their crops or they would steal their crops. And so a lot of Israel, were, they were starving to death. Their families weren't having food. They weren't able to feed their animals and their livestock. And so the people of Israel crying out to God going, God, you said that we're your people and you're going to take care of us in the promised land. And all this horrible stuff is happening at the hands of our enemies, the Midianites. God, when are you going to do something about this? And so God finally decides, okay, it's time. And I am going to do something about this. I'm going to punish your enemies, the Midianites, and I'm going to use a man, and his name is Gideon. And we pick up his story in Judges chapter 6, verse 11. Now watch this. It says, now the angel of the Lord, that is, that is uh, Jesus in his pre-incarnate state, he shows up to this Gideon. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Oprah. That's exactly how that is described. Some of you don't know this, but Oprah actually got her name from the Bible, and it was spelled just like this, O-P-H-R-A-H. Everybody kept misspelling it, dropping the H, so finally she just dropped it. So not only does she have her own TV channel, she has her own city in the Old Testament. Right here, you, learn, you didn't learn anything else this morning. You know Oprah's got a TV show, and she's got a city, got her own network. So the Lord shows up in the city of Oprah, which was belonged to Joash, the Abizrite, while his son Gideon, there's our, there's our guy, Gideon, threshed wheat in the wine press. In other words, he was harvesting the wheat in order to hide it from the Midianites. Because they kept stealing their wheat, messing up their crops. And so he's doing this in secret. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon probably thought, You talking to me? You talking to me? I don't know how he said it, but you know, that's how I hear it. He's like, what do you mean, God? You're calling me a mighty man of valor? Do you know who I am? You can't be referring to me. And Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why then has all this happened to us? Everything the Midianites were doing to them. And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And he's just whining. And just going, why is all this happening? When are you going to do something about this, God? And then the Lord turned to him, to Gideon, and said, go. Everybody say go. go. He said to Gideon, Gideon, I am going to do something about it. And he said to Gideon, Gideon, go in this might of yours, which is not really your strength, but the strength I'm going to give you. And you, Gideon, shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? I'm going to use you, Gideon. He's probably like, what you talking about, Willis? I mean, he was like, what? what? 
I'm going to keep using that joke as long as you guys laugh at it. So I appreciate it. He's like, what? You, I, I wanted you to do something about this, God, but I, 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 didn't, know, I didn't know you were going to use me. I didn't know you were going to, me? And then he goes on and says, verse 15, so he said to him, Gideon said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Do you know who you're talking to? Indeed, my clan, my posse is the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to Gideon, Gideon, surely I will be with you. And you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Gideon, I'm going to do something about this. And I'm going to choose you. I'm going to use you. And here was the key in verse 12 when he said, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Just turn to your neighbor right now and say, you're a mighty man of valor or a mighty woman of valor. Just say that to your neighbor right now. And some of y'all are like, what you talking about, Willis? You know, I mean, what? Mighty man, me? Gideon can't grasp this. Why would God use me? I mean, Gideon makes this excuse here. I'm, don't you know, I'm the weakest. My clan is the small. I'm the least. I'm the smallest. I'm the, he's like, I'm, God, why would you use me? I'm five foot four, 150 pounds. I can identify. And what Gideon did not understand is who God chooses to use, who God most uses. And this is going to be an encouragement to all of you. And Gideon's going to learn this. And we're going to all learn this this morning. So I hope you'll take some notes. They're there on the back of your newsletter. I want to talk to you about who God most uses. You say, why would God use me? Here's why. Let me tell you who God most uses. Number one, God uses the insecure. God uses the insecure. Let me ask you, be honest, how many of you guys have ever felt feelings of insecurity? Would you raise your hand? You've ever felt insecure? Okay. Some of you are not raising your hand because you're too insecure to raise your hand in a large group like this. Gideon felt insecure. Gideon's like, not me. You can't be talking about me. He was insecure, but yet God chose to use him. And let me introduce you to another man that many of you have heard of this man. An insecure man that God chose to use. His name is Moses. Y'all know who this is. Turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. It's on page 24 if you're using the provided Bible. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 10, let me set the context. God has showed up to Moses at the burning bush, and he's telling him, I am God, I am. And he says, Moses, I know that my people have been in bondage for 400 years under an evil taskmaster named Pharaoh, and they have been slaves in Egypt, and I'm going to deliver them out of Egypt, and I'm going to take them to the promised land, and I'm going to do incredible miracles. And Moses is probably like, yeah, you go, God. And then God goes, and I'm going to use you, Moses, to take the people out. And I'm going to use you, Moses. You're going to have to go to the most powerful person in the world, Pharaoh, and you're going to have to talk to him and be my mouthpiece and my, my spokesman to tell him to let my people go. Oh, yeah, and the last time you were there, you, you know, you killed somebody, and so they were after you for murder. And that's who you got to go back and talk to. And Moses is like, well, I won't say it. <laughs> Verse 10. Look at Moses' response. Exodus 4.10. Then Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, you, you got the wrong person. You, you don't know who you're talking about. I, I'm not eloquent. I, I, I'm not eloquent neither before nor since. You have spoken to your servant. I know, what you're, I know you want to use me. I know what you're telling me, but you got the wrong guy. Because I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. 
Some scholars think that he had a stuttering problem. Maybe, maybe it was that. Maybe he just didn't speak well. We don't know. But Moses had this insecurity. And his, it was an insecurity of speech. God wanted to use Moses for his honor and glory. But Moses is like, I, I, not me. I can't talk well. He had this insecurity of speech. You know, he had the same fear that people still have today. You know, when you ask people, what are your greatest fears? The number one fear is public speaking. The fear of public speaking. I like what Jerry Seinfeld said. He said the number one fear of people is public speaking. The number two fear is death. So at most funerals, people would rather be in the casket than delivering the eulogy. <laughs> Something to think about. And, and Moses is like, God, you got the wrong person. I, I have this insecurity of speech. I mean, he's like a lot of us with insecurities. You know, God, I'm, I'm not an outgoing person. How could you use me? I'm an introvert, not an ex extrovert. How could you use me? I'm too young, God. I'm too old, God. I'm terrified of crowds, God. And some of you would be honestly say, why would God use me? I don't have a lot of self-confidence. Why would God use me? I don't have a lot of self-confidence. I have got some fantastic news for all of you. God is not looking for people with self-confidence. You know what God is looking for? I want to teach you guys a new word this morning that I hope you never forget and find this way in your vocabulary. God is not looking for people with self-confidence. He wants you to get some Godfidence. Some Godfidence. That's good. Come on. Some Godfidence. Not self-confident in what you can do and what you can accomplish, but what God can accomplish in and through you so that when he accomplishes it, you don't get the honor and glory he does. That's not self-confidence. That's Godfidence. So if you feel insecure, you're just the kind of person that God wants to use because the Lord is with you. Godfidence. Get some Godfidence. You know, I, I'm going to be open and honest with you guys this morning. You know, I sometimes struggle to do that. <laughs> and uh, I've had my share of insecurities in my life that I could allow to hold me back and not be used by God. And, and I'm going to share something with you guys that I, I know is going to be shocking and surprising to some of you. And, and it's probably going to blow you away. But um, I'm just going to tell you, I have... Uh, I've been vertically challenged most of my life. I'm just gonna, just gonna lay it out there. I know that. I know. I know that. I know you guys. That shocks you. You know, if, if you're a guest today, it shocks you because I'm on this stage and I seem really tall. But if you go meet me in the lobby, you'll know what I'm talking about. And, and you know, I, I can allow that insecurity of being vertically challenged. That's the political what, correct way to say it. You know, I'm a little person. You know, I, whatever. However you say that. Maybe that's not the right way. Anyway. You know, and I can allow that. And, 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 you know, and there's things in this world that can really bring me down and cause me to be insecure and not be used as a pastor and a leader of, for God and, and leading a church and leading people. Because it was several years ago, I picked up the USA Today newspaper on, on the front page of the USA Today newspaper. It had this really tall, distinguished looking guy. And it said this, the average CEO and leader in America, leader of corporations and companies and organizations, the average height is 6'2". 6-2. That could have really bugged me out, y'all. I was like, okay. And, and God wants me to be a pastor, be a leader of, of a church. And then not long ago, I read an article, another article, and it said this. The title was this. If you, it says, want a successful career? Be tall and attractive. And I thought, well, I've got one of them. <laughs> My wife told me to say that. So, <laughs> thank you, honey. Thank you. 
at least one person thinks so. And, and can I just say, I'm not going to allow insecurities to stand in the way of what God wants to do. And can I tell you this, and I say this in all humility, it is such a privilege and honor and in all humility to lead Orchard Church and see what God has done for the last eight years. And to, and to, to, to be a part of that, yeah, I want to praise God for that. So, in your face, USA Today, you know? And it's not because of self-confidence, it's because of Godfidence. And what is happening here at Orchard Church, you know, I was talking to some people this week. We are one of the fastest growing churches in the Denver metro area. And we praise God that not because we're trying, oh, oh, you're trying to be a mega church. No, I'm trying to reach as many people for Christ in this community as we can reach. Amen. And there's a whole lot of people that still need to be reached. 94% of all the people in our community claim no church affiliation or relationship with God. 94%. 94%. We got a lot of work to do. And we're not going to stop. And what's happening here at Orchard Church is not because of me, it's in spite of me. And it gives me confidence to be a part of something that God is doing. So if you have feelings of insecurity, that, that's great. God uses the insecure. He is, gets us to be confident in Him. Look at how God responds to Moses' excuse, his, his insecurity of speech. In verse 11, God has something to say about this. And it says in verse 11, so the Lord said to Moses, who has made man's mouth? Moses, okay, you said you can't speak. Well, guess who made your mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I, the Lord? Hello, Moses. I can take care of this. Now, therefore, help me out, church. Go. Same thing you told Gideon. Go. Step out. Now, therefore, Gideon, go, and I will be with your mouth. Same thing he said to Gideon. Go. I will be with you, and I'll teach you what you shall say. God says to Moses, go in confidence, Moses. Go, and I'm going to use you in a special way. And to many of you today, here at Orchard Church, you say, well, how, how can I be used by God? How can I begin to take that first step to be used by God? Let me let you in on something. You know, we've added a third service. We have three services now here at Orchard Church. And by the way, if you had a hard time finding a seat this morning in the 930 service, there's plenty of seats at 8. We've got a couple hundred people, but there's plenty of seats at 8. There's quite a few more seats at 1130, so you might just think about that. But when we added three services, guess what? We needed more people to serve in children's ministry. It takes us 75 to 100 volunteers every Sunday to take care of your children in three services. We have set-up teams. We have tear-down teams. You know, we think of worship ministry. It's not just singers and instrument people that play instruments, musicians that we need. But we have people that run the sound, that run the pro presenter on the screen, that run the, the lights and the booth. We have host team at the doors that welcome people. I mean, can you, can you just welcome someone with a smile? Then you qualify for the host team. Hand them a newsletter. Be a door greeter. I mean, check kids in. You know, I think sometimes people think... Working in children's ministry means I've got to stand up and teach children. No, we need crowd control, church. We just need some people to keep some kids in their seats sometimes. Amen? Some of you that work in there know what I'm talking about. There's something for everybody. And so don't let your, your feelings of insecurity hold you back from God using you. And so today, and let me say this, I know a lot of you in our church, you do serve. I mean, it's amazing how many people serve, and, and we could not do what we do. We need about 200 people a week volunteering in, in the different areas of ministry to hold three services the way we do in this community. But if you're not serving, take a step of faith today. Here, here's the practical application to be doers of the word, not just yours. In your newsletter, you have your connection card. Give us your contact, your best contact information, whether it's a cell phone or an email. And on the back, there's a box that says, I am interested in, and there's a box that says, serving. 
I'm interested in serving. And just check that box. If you know what area you'd like to serve in or know more information about, just write it there in the other. And if you're, you say, I'm not sure, but I'm willing to try, just check that box. Someone will contact you and will help you get connected. And you can experience the joy and the pleasure of being used by God. So fill that out, drop in the offering bucket at the end of our service this morning, and you can take that, that first step. And you can go in confidence. God will use you. God will teach you. God will help you. God will be with you just like he was Moses and Gideon. So who does God most often use? First of all, he uses the insecure. Number two, God uses the unlikely. He uses the unlikely. Now, listen to what I'm about to say and listen carefully because some of you are going you're to hear it differently than what I want you to hear. If you are, if you are the smartest, funniest, most talented, best, gifted athlete that you know of, God can still use you too. He can. However, God prefers to use ordinary people. God specializes in using those that other people overlook. God specializes in using the unlikely. Great story to illustrate this. Some of you know this story. Some of you, this story will be new to you. Uh, God decided to finally give Israel a king. They were like, we want a king. Everybody else has a king. We want a king. We want a king. They tried to pick their own king, Saul, and that was a big mess. And So God's like, okay, now I'm ready to give you the king that I'm going to choose for you. And so he chose the prophet Samuel to go to a man named Jesse's house. Because Jesse had a lot of sons. And man, he had some really good, studly-looking sons. And so God says, I'm going to send you, Samuel, to Jesse's house. He's going to line up some of his boys, his choice prospects. He's going to line up the Tim Tebow, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson boys. Notice I did not say Tony Romo. He wanted to pick a king that could get the deal done. Oh, yeah. He, he didn't want him fumbling the scepter. I know, it's bad. I can say that because I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan, and it's just true. So he sends him to Jesse's house, and he lines up these seven sons. And, and, and Jesse's like, wow, one of these is surely going to be the next king of Israel. And then watch what happens in 1 Samuel 16, verse 6. We'll put it on the screen. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, wow. Now that, is, God, that guy's got it all together. That, that guy's all that in a bag of chips. He's like, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, no, not so fast, Samuel. Don't judge by his appearance or his height. That is my new life verse right there. I'm just going to name and claim it right now, right there. Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. That's not who I'm choosing, Samuel. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at what? Help me, church. The heart. He looks at the heart. And Samuel was looking for the obvious among the boys, and God chose the unlikely. And after he goes through all seven of the boys, and God says, nope, 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 Samuel's like, okay, Jesse, is this it? I mean, do, do you, by chance, have any other sons? He's like, ah, I got one, you know. He's the scrawniest. He's the youngest. He's just a shepherd boy. He's out in the field. I didn't even, why waste time bringing him here? And he's like, go get him. And you know what his name was? David. And he was the unlikely one that God chose. You see, if you are just ordinary or often overlooked, then you're just the kind of person God's looking for. Because God uses the unlikely. 
Can we have an amen for that? Amen. He uses the unlikely. God, who does God most often use? He uses the insecure. He uses the unlikely. Number three, God uses the broken. That one might surprise you a little bit. God uses the broken. You know, if you think about all the disciples, the 12 disciples, of all the disciples that were with Jesus for three and a half years, there was one disciple that really wanted to be used by God. And he was really anxious to be used by God. And he was really confident he was going to be used by God. And, and, and any time it was an opportunity, he was like, pick me, pick me, Jesus, pick me, Jesus. He was always the one jumping out of the boat first. He was always the one lopping people's ears off, you know, in the garden to save Jesus. And what's his name? Help me out, church. Peter. Peter was like, ah, God used me. I'm ready. I'm ready to be used. Pick me. And he was confident about that. And Jesus had a conversation with Peter just before he was arrested and crucified. And, and Jesus was telling his disciples, you know, I'm about to be crucified and arrested and die. And some of y'all are going to be bailing out. And Peter's like, oh, not me, Jesus. Not me, Jesus. I, I've got you back, Jesus. I would never deny you, Jesus. I'll never leave you. You can count on me. You can use me, Jesus. And what did Jesus tell Peter? He predicted, he said, before the rooster crows the third time tomorrow morning, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, no, not me, Jesus. No, not me. I'd never do that. I'd never let you know, Jesus. He goes, oh, that's what's going to happen. And then you, many of you know the story. Before the rooster crowed three times, twice already, somebody had asked Peter if he knew Jesus. He's like, no, I don't know him. No, I don't know the guy. Never been with him. Never seen him. Don't know him. Twice. And then the third time, somebody comes up and says, wait a minute. You, you knew Jesus. You were with him. You were one of his disciples. And Luke twenty two sixty. here's what happens. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you are talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And at that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Can you imagine the look on Jesus' face? And can you imagine the look on Peter's face? And suddenly the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. That before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard. And how did he, watch this, how did he leave the courtyard? Weeping bitterly. He was broken. He was broken. I mean, you don't mess up much bigger than that. I mean, Jesus tells Peter you're going to deny me three times. He says, no, I won't. He even knew it was coming. And he still did it and denied him to his face. He saw him. I mean, you don't mess up bigger than that. And you can imagine how broken Peter was in that moment when he realized what he had done. And some of you think, why would God use me because of some of the things I've done that have happened to me? I'm a broken vessel. Why would God use a broken vessel? I've been broken by divorce. I, I, I've been broken. I lose my cool. I've been broken by addiction. I've been broken by financial trouble. I, I've been broken. I've blown it time and time again. Well, look at the story of Peter. Peter blew it big time. I mean, you don't, you don't blow it much bigger than that. I mean, deny Jesus, and he was broken. But here's the rest of the story. After the resurrection, Jesus forgave Peter. And not only did he forgive him, but when there was an opportunity in front of thousands and thousands of people at what the Bible calls the day of Pentecost, God wanted to use somebody to share the gospel. And of all the disciples, guess which one he chose to use? Peter. He used Peter to get up and preach the gospel. And over 3,000 people came to know Christ. He used Peter, the insecure, the unlikely, the broken disciple. God used him. 
And doesn't it make sense? I mean, who better to preach the gospel of forgiveness than the disciple who had been forgiven the most? Peter. Peter. God uses the broken. I want you to hear this testimony of someone in our church that has been broken that God is using right now in a very special way. Hi, my name is Lawrence, and I'm here to tell you how God decided to use me and work through me in the lives of others. About two and a half years ago, I was going through a custody battle with my children's mother, and um, during that process of the financial stress, my current wife decided she couldn't handle any more of the stress that was going on. So in the process of that, I'm at work, and my, I get a call from my children, and they're screaming and crying that our, my then-wife had left and took all of half of our furniture and half of our other stuff and different things. And so I had to leave work immediately to go home and comfort my children and process what just took place. And during that time, I reached up and grabbed a hold of the Lord as hard as I could, and, and I was just as broke as you could be. I was about didn't know if I was going to get to keep my kids. I had just lost my wife. And at that time, um, I came to Orchard Church. And there was a celebrate recovery program that was going on that they were getting ready to launch. And um, God placed it in my heart to sign up because I had some experience. And I wanted to, he placed it in my heart to be a leader. In the process of that, we got Celebrate Recovery up and running um, and have concluded one semester and we are currently halfway through a second semester. And um, even though I was very broken at, at the time when I first came to Orchard Church and uh, financially strapped and going through a foreclosure, you know, God still decided that I was the one that he wanted to lead Celebrate Recovery. I have so much joy right now, but my situation hasn't changed much, except for that I have the power of God in me, and he's using my past to reach out and relate to others that are hurting and broken in the same, or similar or in different ways that I am, have been hurt. And um, I'm leading them to God's healing and the Ministry of Celebrate Recovery. And it's just been an amazing journey knowing that God is leading my steps one step at a time, one day at a time. Isn't that a fantastic testimony? And I love what Lauren said. You know, God is using my brokenness to help other people who've been broken. Just like he used Peter, who had been forgiven, to help other people experience that forgiveness. Why would God use you? God would use you because he loves and specializes in using the insecure, the unlikely, the broken. And I just want to close with you thinking about this. What does God want to do through you? 
Just like God has worked through Lawrence, and God worked through Moses, and God worked through Gideon, and God worked through Peter. What does God want to do through you? How does God want to use you? And it's in this statement. You have to step out to find out. You, you want God to use you? You know what he wants to do through you? You have to step out to find out. I mean, God said to Gideon, Gideon, I'm going to use you. Step out, you mighty man of valor, and I will be with you. And when Gideon was willing to step out, you know what he found out? You read the rest of the story that he and 300 other men, that sounds like a lot, but 300 Israelites defeated over 130,000 of the enemy Midianites. When he stepped out, he found out how God was going to use him. God said to Moses, Moses, you need to step out. You need to go to Pharaoh and deliver my people. Say, let, let my people go. He said, Moses, you step out. Now go, and I'm going to give you the words to say. I'm going to tell you what to say. And you know what Moses found out? He was able to deliver millions of the children of Israel out of Egypt and toward the promised land. He stepped out, and he found out how God was going to use him. David, he said to David, David, I want you to step out. I'm choosing you to be the king. This young little shepherd boy. And then to, to encourage him, you know, David, to, to show him how God was with his life. He said, step out and fight a Goliath, this huge giant. And he stepped out and he just grabbed a little rock. And with that rock, he slung it and he hit the giant. It wasn't with a sword he killed him. It was, he knocked him down. And then he picked up the sword. God did this miraculously. And so God said, David, you step out. And he found out that he was able to defeat the giant and go on to be the king of Israel. God said to Peter, Peter, you step out. I forgive you, Peter. You step out. You stand up. You preach. And you know what Peter found out? Over 3,000 people came to know Christ. And God is saying the same thing to all of us today, church. You want to be used by God? God wants to use you. You step out. And God says, listen, you step out because I specialize in using the insecure, the unlikely, and the broken. And when you step out, you will find out that God will use you as well. And he will give you Godfidence. Godfidence. Let's just all say that. Godfidence. Do you want some Godfidence today? Step out and find out how God will use you. Would you bow your heads this morning? Your heads bowed, nice close for just a moment as we reflect on the message this morning. I realize some of you here today, you say, I, I want God to use me. And, and if you're here this morning, you say, you know what? I, despite my insecurities and how unlikely the choice I am and how broken I am, I do believe God wants to use me. And I want to be used by God. Can I pray for you if that's your heart's desire? So would you slip up your hand all across this auditorium? Thank you, thank you. Hands in every section. Just slip them up. Pray for me, Pastor Douglas. I really do want God to use me. I want him to use my insecurities and how unlikely I am and my brokenness. I want him to use me. Anyone else, just slip up your hand for prayer right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. My hands are everywhere. Let me pray for you. Father, I just come to you now and I, I pray that we would have a church full of people who believe, first of all, they were created by you. They were made by you. They are significant. They have a plan. You have a plan and purpose for every one of their lives. And you make no mistakes and, and you want to use them. And I pray that you give them the faith and strength to step out and find out how you want to use them. For some of them, I pray that today they would step out. They would, they would fill out that card and they would begin to serve here at Orchard Church and be used by you in this ministry that is ministering to, to so many people in this community. I pray for many of them that they would step out and they would open up their mouth like Moses and they would share their faith with their family and their friends and their coworkers and their neighbors and that they wouldn't keep silent 
the salvation they have. They would step out and find out that there will be people that will respond to that. There will be people that will come to church and with them and hear the gospel. I pray for some of our people, God, that need to step out and they need to lead a small group next semester. They, they've experienced the joy and blessing of that and I pray they would step out and they would be a part of that. I pray for those that need to step out and find out how to use them in our discipleship ministry or reproduce themselves in the lives of others. For some who need to step out and be disciples so that they can go on and disciple others and reproduce. For some who've been discipled that need to disciple. God, I, I pray that we would step out and find out how you want to use each and every one of us. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, there's another group of people I want to talk to for just a moment this morning before we close, and it's this. I know this. I know this because I hear it. I see it all the time. Some of you, you, you don't believe God wants to use you because you feel too guilty. You feel too dirty. You feel like you sin too much. And the good news is today that Jesus wants to forgive you. If you will come in a, with a repentant and broken heart, just like Peter did, he will forgive you. He will cleanse you. And he will then use you. You don't have to walk out of here today feeling guilty. You can walk out of here today feeling free and forgiven and saved. He offers that to you today. And for some of you, when we talk about stepping out, the first step that you need to take is toward Jesus in faith. Inviting him into your life to be your personal Lord and Savior. Asking him to forgive you of your sins. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. There's no one in here who is unsavable, unforgivable. Nobody. It doesn't matter what you've done. Won't you get a fresh start with Jesus today? You say, well, how do I do that? How do I step out in faith and accept that forgiveness? The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we call on him in faith. We call on him in faith from our heart to God's. And if you're ready to do that for the first time, you can do that right where you sit right now. You don't have to get up, but you can pray a prayer of faith from your heart to God's and invite him into your life as Lord and Savior. I'll lead you in a prayer that you can pray. If you mean it, if you mean it from your heart to God's, he will come into your life. He will forgive you. Listen, the prayer I'm going to lead you in, it's not a magic prayer. It's not any magic words. It's not the prayer of the words that save us and forgive us. It's our heart belief and our faith. And if you're ready to invite Jesus into your life as Lord and Savior, and not just Savior, but as Master, we're learning that and not a fan in our small groups. If you're ready to do that today, would you pray this prayer with me from your heart to God's right? We said, it goes like this, Jesus I call on you today. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sins. And Jesus, I give all my sins to you today, past, present, and future. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life today. By faith, I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for saving me. And now, Jesus, I ask that you would use me. Use me for your honor and your glory. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for taking my broken life and making it whole again. Thank you, Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around for a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if you just prayed that prayer of faith for the first time, I want to pray for you personally. I want to pray and celebrate with you a new decision you made for Christ. 
So no one looking around but me for a moment. Would you just slip up your hand and say, yes, I prayed that prayer of faith today from my heart to God to invite Jesus in. And I meant to slip up your hand right now. God bless you and you and you. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes, you at the top. Yes, young man down here. God bless you. Thank you. Yes, sir. God bless you. Thank you. Anyone else? Just slip up your hand. Yes, I prayed that prayer of faith today, and I really meant it. I invited Jesus into my life as Lord and Savior. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. Let me pray for you, Lord. I pray for all those who put their faith and trust in you today in first and second service, and those who will in our third service. We celebrate with the angels in heaven. The Bible says a party is broken out in celebration when even one person invites you into their life. And we celebrate with that, and we thank you for that, and we pray that they would grow in their relationship with you in the days ahead, that as a church we would meet them the way you meet them, with love and grace and mercy, and that we would take them by the spiritual hand and we'd walk them through the discipleship process to help them to grow so they can reproduce their life and the lives of others. And we, we just celebrate, we thank you, we thank you that you're a God that is with us, and where you guide, you provide, and that you want to use us, insecure, unlikely, broken people. For your honor and your glory. And we pray that we would have the faith to step out and find out how you're going to use us in the days ahead. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate the city of Christ this morning?